0: This message was presented at the GYC to the End in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, welcome. Welcome to the seminar, How to Share the Adventist Message in 30 Minutes. All right, how many of you are here for one of the other two seminars? You came back. Wow, look at that. You didn't get enough. Well, good. How many of you went on outreach yesterday? God bless you. How many of you have already tried to think about or at least or try using some of the things you learned from yesterday? Okay, good for those who raise their hand. Those who just said, well, I enjoy it. Do something with it. Do something with it. Okay. now, here's something that happened this morning just about 20 minutes ago. I was eating in the, in the um, meal area down here. And I know that many people eat in their rooms or other places. How many of you eat your meals in the eating area here? Can I just see your hands? Okay, I want you to especially listen to me. This is Leslie and Carla. Actually, it's Carla and Leslie. They helped serve us. If you were eating there this morning, they helped to serve us. And they were working at the, um, I don't think, dry uh, dry cereal area and all of that. So I saw them and I said, thank you so much for your service. I'd like to give you something to enjoy on your break. And I handed them three things. A love letter from Jesus. La Biblia y la nutrición. And... Espanol, both of them speak, oh, 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 the Bible, nutrition. And I said, yes. And my language, my life card. And they were so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you. Muchas gracias. And they're so thankful. And they said, "Uh, do do you have Spanish Bibles, Spanish Bible? And I said, do you need do you do you need a Spanish Bible? And Leslie on the right said, see, yes, yes. And um, and Carla said, me too. <laughs> and I said, I will see what I can do to see. I can't promise. You know, we shouldn't promise if we can't follow through. I said, I can't promise, but I'm going to see what I can do to get, if there are Spanish Bibles around, we can get to you. I said, are you working breakfast tomorrow? And they said, no, just today, lunch today. So I'm just going to ask right here if we can find somebody or two people or a team of people who will go on a mission at some point in time, see if you can hunt down any Spanish Bibles anywhere and hunt up Leslie and Carla, who will be working lunch in that area. Do I have any volunteers who say, I'm going to try to get a, Bible, a Spanish Bible or two to them? Yes, God bless you. And Okay, you and who else? Raise your hand. Okay, you two. Both of you stand up and look at each other so you can work together on this, Okay. Okay. Be sure you get together afterwards. All right, all right. The seminar after this one is to have how to rapidly mobilize people in ministry and mission, and this is what we just did. Okay. We'll talk about more ways to do that in your own home church. That's the next seminar. Okay. So now, and and really, you know, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, "Let my people go." And that's really what God wants to say to all of His church people. Let them go out and do what they're intended to do. Not just come and sit and soak and sour. But to go and be revived and renewed. I like what Pastor Gary Blanchard told me one time. He said, I figure if I'm working hard to bring as many people into the church as possible, I'm not going to burn down the church. And people who are wanting to burn down the church aren't bringing very many people into it. And we don't have to get caught up in major discussions and debates with them. We're going to be about our Father's business. Okay? So don't get up... You can get into certain chat rooms and social media things and debates and discussions and think that you are three clicks away from saving the church and saving the world. But that's not what it's about. It's about sharing Jesus and His Word, and His final movement, and inviting people in. Okay? Let's pray. Eternal Father in Heaven, You are here before any of us came into this room. And we invite You to do Your work in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, through our hands and feet, and through our voices that only You can do. And help us, Lord, to not just have one more seminar under our belt... But to use this very, very soon, today or within the next few days, to make an eternal difference in other people's lives, knowing it will transform our lives. In Jesus' wonderful and precious name I pray, amen. Okay, those of you who are here, when we talked about how to share the Adventist message in 30 seconds, you know, there's not a rote script, but there are four ingredients. You remember that. Somebody says, what is a Seventh-day Adventist? And you say something like this. We believe that everyone in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord, their Creator, their Healer, their soon-coming King, their Intercessor. If they accepted Jesus in charge of every part of their life, if they took the Bible as God's voice speaking to them, And they said, Lord, send your Holy Spirit to change me and help me to walk in these ways. And then they got together with other godly people who have the same mind to work together to take the good news to all the world that Jesus loves them and love and is coming soon again. And many people say, wow, I could agree with that. And then you say, you'd make a great Seventh-day Adventist. Invite them in because this message isn't a branch of Christianity, a branch of, evangel- of Protestantism, a branch of evangelicalism, a branch of the Millerite movement. And then we get down to this little thing called Seventh-day Adventist. This is a movement of God that calls people out of every bit of false religion into God's final movement. This one's the one going forward. And we want to get on the bus. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. Nobody is better than anybody here. But we're inviting everybody to be on the bus because Jesus invited us on the bus. Okay? Now, that's kind of an expansion of the 30 seconds. But you got that. Then when we talked about the five minutes, we especially focused on the acronym FORT, F-O-R-T, Family, Occupation, Religious Background, and Testimony so that we begin asking people questions to find out where they're from and if they have siblings and if they grew up here and things about family. So we're listening and entering into their world. And then we ask them questions about occupation. Are they working? Do they, what kind of work do they do? Are they a student? We ask them, that. so we're listening, so we are understanding their, that part of their world. And then we now can gently say, do you have any kind of religious background? And they'll say whatever they want to say. And we're listening to what they're saying. And as we go along, we're looking to be sure we have a green light. And if there's a yellow light, we slow down. If there's a red light, we stop. We don't push people, okay? But then after we've heard them and we've gotten to know them, then we get to testimony. And now we can share with them fairly briefly the three parts of our testimony. Number one... Our life before Jesus, and don't spend long on that because it's not much, it's buried, okay? Second, something good about Jesus, the Bible, and God's final movement and how that be, start changing your life. And finally, inviting them to take whatever they see as their next step in their spiritual journey. I was on an airplane, I'm on a fair number of airplanes, but I got in a conversation with a lady and she was a believer, but her husband was an atheist university professor in one of the sciences. And I said, so that's a challenge, isn't it? In in family, you know, to to be married to. An... She said, it's so difficult. And I said, so what are some of the biggest challenges? And she said something I never expected. I thought she'd say, well, he's an atheist or he doesn't believe in God, all of those things. I, that's not what she said at all. The biggest challenge is he's depressed all the time. Isn't that something? Atheist professors don't need cute little arguments. They need the Lord. Okay? Now, we need to be settled in our own mind why certain things are not right, not true. But we don't need to get in debates and arguments and think, yeah, 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 yeah. And devil's cheering us on. Yeah, harden their hearts even faster. No. We mingle with people as one who desires their good. And I said, so what, what do you do to try to help him with his depression? I've tried everything. We've been to lots of doctors. He's on medication. And we don't know if he can hold his position because of what he's going through. I said, can I make a suggestion? Well, Yeah. Well, boy, is that an opportunity. So I I said to her, there is a part of the Bible that is especially good to help people going through discouragement and depression. She said, what is it? I said, it's the little book of Philippians. Do you know where that is? Well, yeah, I know my Bible. And I said, it has four chapters. And what I do whenever I'm talking to people who are discouraged or depressed is I'll tell them, I want to give you a reading assignment if you'll let me. And if they say, okay, what is it? I say, find a Bible. Do you have a Bible? Find the book of Philippians, a little book, and open the Bible and say, Lord, please show me something that will help me today. And then begin reading. And it's not a job, you're not trying to get through the book fast, You're not trying to read a chapter a day. You're just looking for one verse or phrase that's God speaking to you. And that might be in just a few verses or a few chapters. It does not matter. But when you know you've heard God's voice, stop right there and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And read it out loud several times to burn it into your mind. So you're seeing it. You're saying it. You're hearing yourself say it. And then write that verse and then write a short prayer to God. Thank you, Lord, for showing me this verse. And then you write it down and do that each day for a week or if it's more intense for each day for two weeks. If you get to the end of Philippians, go back to the beginning and read it again. Okay, start reading again. But every day you're hearing something from God that will help you. And she said, but he won't do that because he's an atheist. And he would never say, God, show me something. And God gave me this simple idea. I said, "Then, then explain to him, we've tried everything and it's not helping. I want you to try this. And when you explain it to him, have him just say, when the Bible's open to Philippians 1, God, if you exist, show me something that will help me today. That way, a skeptic can say, if you exist, and God can say, I'm glad you're listening. (laughs) You see that picture? And she says, I'm going to try that. And I said, whether it helps him or not, you do it too. But do it individually, and then you'll have something to share. I'll know in heaven how that went. Many things we do, we'll know in heaven. But we won't know here. But we can do that. We can help. I'd like to give you a reading assignment I think would help you. You can say that to friends. And sometimes you ask, which of these four emotions are most powerful for you right now? Anger, fear, lust, or discouragement? If they say discouragement, I assign Philippians. If they say anger, I assign Ephesians. If they say lust... I assign the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if they say fear, I assign the little book of 1 John with those five chapters near the end of the Bible. That's a little bonus. That wasn't in the regular part. So let's get into this, all right? These are things, simple tools that don't change people. God changes people. The Holy Spirit changes people. But it's so much easier to help drive a car on a road than through a ditch, okay? Okay. So use the tools that God has given us to help people. How to share the Adventist message in 30 minutes. This is particularly focused on a person who has already been exposed to the Adventist message some. And you're just helping them clarify and take action with it. Say this with me again. Read read it with me. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Let's do it again. I know it's early in the morning. Let's try it. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The end of what? The end of divorce. The end of parents fighting. The end of jealousy and envy. The end of human trafficking, the end of AIDS, the end of cancer, the end of war, the end of car accidents, the end of bickering, criticizing, complaining. All of that will come to an end when we just do enough social justice. Not quite. I believe we ought to do what we can to make a difference in this whole world while we're here. But this is when the end of all that will come. And what is it going to take? This gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and then the end will come. So every time you give a glow track, you are hastening the return of Jesus. Jesus. Every time you say something good about Jesus, you're speeding His return. Every time you encourage people to get into the Bible and do it yourself, you are hastening the return of Jesus. Every time you invite somebody to unite with God's final movement, you are helping the end of all that garbage come. You are agents for God. And if you look at me and you say, Well, I could never stand up front of all those people and talk like that. The devil is whispering that in your ear. I don't know if God will have you stand up in front or whatever you do, but every one of you have a circle of influence nobody else has. And let your light shine there and it will hasten the kingdom. And then allow God to transplant you out of your comfort zone into your discomfort zone in some part of the world short, medium, or long term, where it's not as easy, and let God grow and stretch you, and show you lots of things. Had you ever seen that in Matthew 24, before, 14 before? It's there. You are there in that verse. That's why you've come to this seminar. It's not an accident. Some of you thought you came because your friends came. Some of you came because, you know, you're wandering down the hall, and this is the first door that opened. But you are here on purpose. God has you in mind to reach many, many people. And from you, not only to reach many people, but to activate many people from there. So, what will it take? Are you and your church on the 500-year plan or the 10-year plan to take the Adventist message to everyone in your territory and beyond? First part of my ministry, I was on the 500-year plan. By God's grace, now I want to think and being on the 10-year plan. What would it take? What little part can I do to bring my five loaves and two fish and give it to Jesus and then see what he does with it? We all have that. Little sack lunch. Give it to Jesus and see what he does with it. Okay? So... When I was pastoring the Richardson Seventh-day Adventist Church there on the north side of Dallas, some of you heard me mention that yesterday, God gave us some phenomenal experiences. And we took the attitude, the harvest is great. And if the harvest is great, let's go after it. Let's expect that we should be baptizing people on a regular basis. Not not just kind of, Uh, Yeah, uh, let's see, we have somebody for baptism. Is the baptistry still working? Does it have a crack in it? Oh, we're going to have to move some stuff out of storage because that's where we've been storing it the last seven years. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? That's That's not a, you know, they have these military drills to make sure the equipment and the people can still work. As a church, we need to have these drills to be sure the stuff still works. We need to fill it every month, whether we have anybody to baptize or not, to be sure it still works. And when somebody says, isn't that a waste of water? You say, yes. Why didn't we have anybody ready? You're getting the picture. But if you're going to expect that, then you're going to put on the calendar when the next baptisms are. And it's not going to be just some secret in the pastor's mind. Everyone on the board will be able to tell you when the next few baptisms are. And everybody in the congregation will be able to tell you when the next few baptisms are. Because they're working to spread the gospel. And as they're sharing with their friends here and there and there, then they need to be able to say, well, the next, it looks like you're making decisions for Jesus and the Bible and his final movement. Our next baptism is going to be the first fourth Sabbath of this coming month. And I think you ought to be in it. And the pastor doesn't even need to know that at that time, right? Is that right? If the pastor is the only person winning souls in the church, that church is crippled. Everybody's called to be a soul winner. Every disciple is called to be making disciples. Every church is called to be planting churches. Never get past that. So, if you're going to do that, you need to have an assembly line. You can't just kind of tinker and build your own little... Your own little system. You have to have a plan for the harvest to come into this movement and then to go out from this movement. So, what we would do is the fourth Sabbath of every month, we'd fill the baptistry. That was fill the baptistry Sabbath, whether anybody's ready or not. Fill the baptistry. We're not going to baptize people wandering off the street and say, "Yeah, I think I, uh, you know, it's hot out there and that looks cool and refreshing." No, we don't do it on that basis. We want people who are converted. And who understand I'm surrendering everything in my refrigerator and in my pocketbook and in my closet. And in everything is under the authority of Jesus. They need to know that. Okay. Now, they don't have to be able to diagram the 2300 days. That's e—that's too easy. They need to know it's a lot bigger than that. They need to know this is a full surrender of their whole life to the Lord. And when they get that, we can help them with the other stuff. Okay. So we don't baptize unconverted people or people with unresolved addictions or relationship issues. But we show them Jesus can resolve these and will help you. And yes, and we don't baptize people who are still smoking because the cigarette goes out underwater anyway. But we don't do it that close either. We let them have a taste of victory. We don't say, you need to go for a year without smoking before we'll baptize you. We would say... God will give you victory right now and we'll call you every day and encourage you and pray with you over the phone. We'll text message you, um, Bible promises. In other words, we're staying with them. We're loving them. We're helping them along this journey. And I believe you will be ready for this baptism coming up in two weeks. And I'm praying with you and I'm walking with you. And they start saying, I, I, I only smoked three yesterday. And you say, did you confess that to Jesus? Well, yes. Then you don't have to tell me about it. Okay? Okay. But what we want, how many times were you tempted to smoke? Oh, 300 times. Those are all victories. Count the victories. Don't count the defeats. Count the victories and thank Jesus for the victories and confess the defeats to him. And then people start experiencing victories and victories. And then they know, yes, I'm free. I'm free. And then what happens? They get baptized with their spouse. On the way home, they get in a fight with each other. Like because the devil's trying to get and they go out on Sabbath and buy cigarettes and smoke and then they feel guilty forever. And you don't see them again, but they see us again because we don't just leave them there and say, well, they don't, they're not showing up to church. They were baptized and they don't come to church anymore. I guess we shouldn't have baptized them. they weren't ready. No, we go out there to find out how the devil tempted them just like he tempted Jesus 40 days after his baptism. The devil pulls out his big guns after baptism. And if we just say baptism, okay, see you next Sabbath. Okay, let's go over tonight. What, are, what games are we going to play when we get together? That's wrong. Anyway, you get the picture. Alright. So we stay close to them. Close to them. Close to them. One of my sons, who's a church planting pastor in Fort Worth, baptized three people two Sabbaths ago. And we told them the devil's going to do everything he can to make to destroy this beautiful experience. And the woman who has some health challenges went into a deep depression, became suicidal the next day, says, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And on WhatsApp group, everybody's praying for her. And she's a part of that WhatsApp group with that church, baby church plant that's coming up. And they're pray- we're praying for you. You're going to make it. You, you can do it. You can do it. And we want you to help with this and this and this. And she and her Family helped with the praise team last Sabbath. Day before yesterday. You know, we don't leave people. No one left behind. And we stay close to them, especially in their first two months as a believer. That prime time. So I'm getting adding... But we want to get people started as strong as possible when they get started. And so what we do is we have a new member orientation the night before... The baptism. And we used to do it just for the new people who are going to be baptized or re-baptized or come in on profession of faith. But we started doing it with all the transfers, too. Okay? We wanted everybody who's uniting with the Richardson Seventh-day Adventist Church to have two hours on Friday evening to really get the big picture. See what it's all about. How exciting it is to be a Seventh-day Adventist, living in the last day, sharing your faith, and watching lives transformed. That's what we want. We want that. And I think I saw a face back there that may have been through one of those. You went through a maneuver of orientation, didn't you? <laughs> Wave your hand there. Now everybody can go and talk to Brenda. Now she's getting all shy and embarrassed there. But, but you know, we had that orientation. And we go through four things, and I don't have time in this seminar to go through all of them, but I'll just mention them briefly. First 30 minutes, we wanted to hear their stories. How has God led you to this place in your life? And it will just melt your heart, bring tears to your eyes. You realize God's working in these people's lives. We need to listen to it. How has God brought you? And it's not when we showed up that God showed up. God was working with them all along, and then we just helped deliver the baby. <laughs> okay? Okay. The second 30 minutes, what does it mean to be a Seventh-day Adventist? The Adventist message in 30 minutes. Okay, we're going to cover a little bit of that here. The third part is our four hopes for you in your first six months as a member here. We hope you have at least seven good friends. We hope you establish the habit of daily Bible study and prayer that's reinforced with a Sabbath school class. We hope you find a ministry you really enjoy. So try out several of them. We'll help you try them out. We hope that you will we'll help you build a prayer list of people you'd like to see baptized and unite with God's final movement. And we'll, we will help you build that prayer list and reach out to them because in six months we hope you see somebody that you brought in. So that's the third part of the new member orientation. Our four hopes for you in your first six months. Baptism isn't the end. It's the doorway into a whole new life. And here are four tracks to run on. And then the fourth one is, what you can do individually and what is happening around the world to move God's work forward. There's a worldwide publishing ministry, and here are a hundred glow tracks. You get the picture? Where's a worldwide medical ministry, and here's the acronym New Start that you can share with your friends. There's a worldwide educational ministry, and our closest schools are here, here, and here. We'll help your kids get in, we'll find a way to make that happen. But you can help educate through your ministry to other people. So we want to show that. So that's what we do in new member orientation. But during that second 30 minutes, here's what we do. I look at them, and here we have all who are becoming members of the church and any of their family and friends that are gathered around there and any church leaders that want to come in too. This is the first part. And I look at each one In the eye. And I say, if you can say yes, then don't just say yes. (laughs) Say yes. Okay? If you can say yes, say yes. And if you can't or you have any questions, then this is a fair place to ask questions. Any question can be asked in an Adventist church. We are not afraid of questions. We don't have all the answers, but we have a Bible. And it has the answers to every important question ever asked in the world. OK, so I'm going to ask you this question as if you are going to become members of the Richardson Seventh-day Adventist church tomorrow. OK, we will baptize other days in Sabbath, too. OK. All right. So here's the first question. And I want you to think about this. And if you can say yes, say yes. OK, I don't know who's next door. OK, well, yeah, it's all right. um, have you come to the place in your life where you can say, I have accepted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I know He's forgiven all of my sins, all of them, and, for, and promised me a home in heaven, and He's willing to give me victory each day of my life if I, as I ask Him. Have you yes. come to that place? One, two, three? Yes! Okay, let's see if anybody else can join us now. One, two, three? Yes! Okay, yes! Now, if a person can't say that, should they become a Seventh-day Adventist? No. No. Because they won't become a Gladventist. They'll become a Madventist. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, then you get mad and irritated at all kinds of stuff. The color of the carpet, the song that was sung, The guest speaker that took too long. You get mad at this and that. Because there's not Jesus in the heart. When Jesus is in the heart, well, there's so... You you say, bless that preacher. Lord, help him to finish in the next 45, 50 minutes. Okay? Or, you know, somebody says, how'd you like my dish at potluck? Never tasted anything like that before. (laughs) Okay? But we we love each other because we have Jesus in our heart, okay? Now, here's the second question, and this is a very important question. Have you come to the place in your life where you can say, I understand that the Bible is different from any other book ever written. It is God's voice speaking to me. I'm willing to ask the Holy Spirit to change my life to match all the teachings of the Bible and I want to learn something from the Bible every single day. Have you? Yes. We'll let a few more join. Have you? Yes. Okay, yes. And should a person become a Seventh-day Adventist that can't say yes to that second item? No. Because this is recognizing the Bible as the final authority. Instead of our own thoughts and ideas and attitudes or anything else. You see, if a person doesn't have that conviction, they won't be a gladventist. They'll be a badventist. Because they will put geology above the Bible. And they'll try to say that there's stuff that's been around millions and billions of years that the Bible says otherwise, or they'll try to put sociology above the Bible, and they'll say things like, "Well, uh, uh, I don't know about genders, but you know we need to love all people," and which we do, and 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 I, you know, it's okay to experiment. We need to, and we, no, the Bible is clear what's right and wrong and invites us to accept Jesus to change us because all of us first birth is not good enough for heaven however you were born is not good enough for heaven that's why we need a new birth and only Jesus can give us the new birth so I was talking to one man about this, and he says, You're just such a narrow minded, bigoted Seventh day Adventist pastor. There are other Adventists, and here's some publications that say blah, 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 blah. And, I sa- and he said, You don't know. I, I, I was born this way, and I tried marriage, and it didn't work. And to be honest to myself and others, I divorced, and now I'm with my boyfriend. And I said, I understand completely. He looked at me. He says, Are you gay? and i said i said no but i have a sinful human nature i have different temptations than you have it's not a sin to have a temptation it's a sin to think about it very long until you're going to go act on it okay so each of us in this room the devil knows what your specific weaknesses and sin and temptations are And He will try to exploit those. And they are different from mine or the same. That really doesn't matter. What does matter is, Jesus is our intercessor in the heavenly sanctuary. And let us go boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive power, strength, grace to help in time of need, and forgiveness. But He wants to help us to go with the power, but if we didn't, to go with the forgiveness so we don't have as much broken glass to keep stepping on. So the Bible is our final authority. Not geology, not sociology, not our favorite TV preacher, Adventist or non-Adventist, not our grandma who is so godly, not our friend who has a better relationship with God than I have. No! It is the final authority for our lives if we're following Jesus. That makes us glad Adventist. Here's the third question. Have you come to the place in your life where you can say, I realize that in these last days God is raising up His final movement for the purpose of taking the gospel to all the world and encouraging each other in holy living. And just like the early Christian church, God's final movement will keep all the commandments of God it arose as a result of prophecy. It teaches and preaches prophecy and has a prophet in it. And I want to be a part of God's final movement. Can you say yes? Yes. Can others of you say yes? Yes. Okay, yes. Should a person become an Adventist if they can't say yes to that? No. Because they won't be a gladventist, They'll be a Sadventist. I thought this church was better than that. I thought that there would be more variety at potluck. I thought that I'd have more friends that were being nice to me all the time and making me the center of attention. No, but when we realize this is God's final movement, and I want to be on board, and I want to be kind to people, I want to invite people, but I'm a sinful human being, and if they look at me, they're going to fall too. I'm going to keep pointing them to Jesus in this final movement, and that's where it gets exciting. That's why we're glad, So, in that new member orientation, I ask these three questions in that second segment. And if they have questions, I say, let's take some time on that. And because we don't have a lot of time, I put a website down here at the bottom, and it's very easy to find: TexasEvangelism.com/start. Start. That's where you start. And if you go to that particular web page, you'll find an adapted version of this with links. And so on any of these three, if you just think, well, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. That's okay. But you can click on a link for each of these three and it will, it will give you something to study, something to read, something to sing, something to memorize that will help deepen you and prepare you to be able to say yes in each of those three areas. Okay? So, those of you who were here yesterday are already identifying a theme. (laughs) Do you see it? There are three major areas that we want people to begin to grasp, and wherever they aren't is where we will strengthen that to help move them forward. If a person... And let's just take an example, just to keep you here. Somebody tell me, raise your hand and tell me one of those three that if, if you were sitting in that new member orientation, you said, I'm, I'm not very clear on this. Help me. Raise your hand and pick one of those three. Somebody, anybody. Number three. Number three. Okay. Number three. I realize in these last days, um, you know, here in the, as we look at the world around us, we see things coming apart. We also see people polarizing into two groups. Those who are more sensitive toward God and those who are becoming more hardened toward God. And you're here tonight in our new member orientation because you are wanting to be more sensitive to God. Well, God's not just working on you. He's working on people from every nation and tribe and language group around the world to bring us into a, a relationship where we can encourage each other and work together rapidly to take the gospel to all the world. Now, some things that would really help strengthen this conviction would be to do some reading in the book of Acts in the Bible and in the books Daniel and Revelation in the Bible. And then there's an inspired commentary that's really good, that one is called Acts of the Apostles and another is called the Great Controversy. And as you get into those more and more, this conviction will deepen more and more for you. And then... Um, there's a song called We Have This Hope that burns within our heart. And we, you'll learn it as we go on this journey together. And as you sing it, you'll realize more and more people are singing this message around the world. And then there's some things that you could memorize that will help deepen this conviction. For example, in Revelation 12, there's a picture of the pure woman representing God's church. And right at the end of that chapter, it describes God's final church. as the, um, It says, and there is war um, between the, the dragon the, and the dragon was wroth or angry with a woman and went to make war with the last or the last church for seed they keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus and the rest of the book of Revelation shows us the testimony of Jesus is really the Holy Spirit inspiring prophets to, that are true prophets of God but these things will deepen in your heart as you go along and we'll help you with this journey is this making sense to you? Do you see what I just did? We didn't dismiss it and we didn't say, oh, you can't join this church because you don't, you're not settled. If you are seeing this as making sense and I want to go deeper and I want to keep walking, then come along and walk with us and you have room to grow in the church. Okay? But if you said, no, I don't see that. I don't believe that. We say, let's talk about next month. Okay, maybe next month. We'll talk a little bit more after this and, and see if we can answer some questions. Okay? So let's take just a moment or two for two or three other questions on what we covered on this page, because that's part one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, the people in the Bible who are part of God's covenant movement, did they believe in Ellen White? No? But what did they believe in? They believed that there are true and false prophets that need to be tested. And that when you find a true prophet, then you need to realize their message isn't from them, it's from God, and you need to respond accordingly. So one of our fundamental beliefs is called the gift of prophecy, and it does mention that Adventists recognize that gift as being given to Ellen White, but in reality, when a person becomes a Seventh-day Adventist, what they really need to commit to is the recognition that God works through prophets in a different way than He works through the rest of us, that there are true and false prophets and there are tests that need to be given, and that we need we need to test the prophets. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. There in First Thessalonians five, and that's where he's at. Don't despise it. And I I like to say to people who have been around Adventists but aren't an Adventist and have trouble with Ellen White. I said there are really two ditches that you can fall into, and and maybe that's where you've seen. One is that you you have seen the person who received the gift put up on a pedestal. Instead of worshiping the giver of the gift, people almost worship the recipient of the gift. And that's wrong. That's a ditch. On the other hand, there are those who would say, "Um, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I I don't think that there are any prophets anywhere else. But that's denying the Bible teaching that there will be true prophets in the last days and that we need to watch out for false prophets. And so we need to be open. What we do in the middle is to say, Lord, what you have, I need. Get into the Bible and then begin testing. And I think you'll come to that conclusion. That's what I tell them. Okay. What, any other question or two on these three? Just one at a time, please. <laughs> okay. If, if someone said they have a question that evening, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, a good question. What he said, for the sake of the recording, if somebody that evening of new member orientation has a question, do you try to work it through that evening or do you postpone? And that's where we need to, we need to um, not spend a long time with them, but because the, it's usually a group setting. Um, but what we'll do is we'll try to clarify it. Like I gave the example here, if I say, does that make sense? Is that clear? And they say, yes, yes, then we can work with them. If they say, no, no, that's not clear. I say, well, let's talk a little bit more afterwards. And afterwards, I want to clarify. But if they're not really settled on that, then we need to bump them to a month or two. And sometimes occasionally people will be bumped until they finally have a conversion or or conviction in that area. But generally, most people say by the time they get to that point, they are on a growth journey. And they just, it's hard to process all of it, but I want to. And if they're there, we'll help them. Because all of us are still processing things. Okay? But we need to be settled on these basic things, too. Okay, let's move to the next part. Where where are we at? Okay, 15 minutes to go. Here's the second part. Following Jesus in 28 fundamental ways. You may have heard people say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the doctrines or if we had just talk more about Jesus and forget the doctrines and that is that's like saying I really like your wife and not you which people say sometimes but no but really we're one we're together it's a it's a unit so what happens is every when we share Jesus properly we will cover all the fundamentals I'm going to say that again when we share Jesus properly we will cover all the fundamental beliefs but And every fundamental belief, when it's understood properly, gives us a new picture of Jesus. It's all integrated right there. So, here's what I have, and I need some helpers really quickly. I want you to give one of these out to every person or two. I don't know if we have enough for everyone, but let's just do this. Here, we'll get some here, we'll get some over here. Somebody help me here. Okay, this is the fundamental beliefs. How many of you, now I'm going to give you a little quiz, how many of you have read every single one of the 28 fundamental beliefs? Let me see your hands. Okay, the rest of you, I want you to stay afterwards. (laughs) This makes the point that we're on a journey. I don't think a person should be brought into the Adventist church officially if they can't say yes to the 28 fundamental beliefs. But do they have to have them memorized? Do they have to have read all of them? Well, obviously, we missed on the majority of you. But we took time. We take time during the new member orientation. And we would give, we'd have this list for everybody. And then here's what we would do. And this is where it gets fun. I'm going to give you five minutes to skim through this and notice what it says at the top. Put a check mark by each one you can say yes to, and a question mark by each one that you wish you could explain better to someone else. Okay? Five minutes, skim through. Those who are listening by the recording, maybe they'll cut this part out or fast forward, or maybe you'll do, have a chance to do the same. You can find all of these at Adventist.org Beliefs. Okay, if I could have your attention. Isn't it amazing how this is probably the first time you've ever done something like this? And do you see how good we can make friends and discuss things of eternal eternity just by talking about things that we enjoy the most? Now, I, I don't have time to do it with everyone, but I'm going to ask for probably two or three hands to say, this is one I wish I could explain better to someone else. Now, notice we don't ask, which one do you not understand, do you not agree? The whole goal here is not to meet for me to understand it. It's for me to be able to share it with other, someone else, which means I need to understand it, live it, and share it. Okay? So that's why we ask. Okay, let's just take, and, and each of these 28, each of you, young people too, old people too, each of you, I challenge you within the next few months to be able to explain each of these in two minutes or less. Each one, two minutes or less. You don't have to do all it. just It's very simple. Let's take one. You wish you could explain better. Yeah, the, Trinity. the Trinity, okay. Here's what I do. Let's say we're in that setting and somebody says the Trinity. I say, okay, what we find is way back at the beginning that when God created the heavens and the earth, that the Spirit of God moved And when God starts talking to Himself, let us make man in our image, we find a divine unity. Now, we don't really understand it fully until we get to Jesus walking here on earth. And then we begin seeing at His baptism, for example, that here is God the Son being baptized as a witness for us. And when He is, God the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit takes the form of a dove and comes and lands. So, we don't understand unity on this earth, but this helps us. So, how many fingers am I holding up? And how many does it look like I'm holding up? Why does it look like one? Because they're so close, and in so much alignment and agreement, it looks like one when they're three. The, The Trinity, if you don't, um, understand, if you try to understand it, you lose your mind. If you don't accept it, you lose your soul. Okay? All right. What's another one? You. Yes. The sanctuary. Okay. Christ's ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. Okay? So, what we find is God wants to be around us. But we have problems called sin. And whenever there's sin, if we were around Him, we'd be destroyed with His glory and His holiness. So what he had to do when Adam and Eve sinned is put them out of the first sanctuary, the Garden of Eden. But he would go outside and meet with them, go outside, and meet with them. And then later in the book of Exodus, the next book, we find the children of Israel. And and he says, let them make me a sanctuary, told Moses and gave him specific instruction so that I may dwell among them. Exodus 25, 8. And we find all through the Bible, God wants to be with us. But in that sanctuary, there were two services. A daily service and a yearly service. The daily service, when we study it out, it shows us how to be saved individually by trusting Jesus, who is coming in the future for them. The yearly service shows how God's going to wrap up the sin problem and take sin completely out of the universe. And so those two services show us how much God loves us individually and the world that was lost. The book of Revelation is actually seven sanctuary scenes. Each one is introduced and, and it just the the book of Hebrews says that the sanctuary is no longer on earth. That that's not where the focus is to be it's to be in heaven where our high priest Jesus we can go boldly to his throne and find grace and help. So all through the scriptures we find God wants to be with us and the sanctuary teaches us so much about how he wants to be with us. Okay, let's take one more. Yes. The Great Controversy. Okay. The Great Controversy. Have you ever had a fight in your own home? You understand a little bit about the Great Controversy. What we find is it didn't start in your house, and it's not your parents' fault or your siblings' fault or whatever. It goes way back to an unfallen angel called Lucifer, who was the covering cherub up in heaven, and he began to focus on two gifts God had given him his wisdom, and his beauty. We get into great controversies when we focus too much and think we're too smart and too good looking. (laughs) So because he kept pulling away from God and God kept working with him, he kept pulling away, God had to throw him out from heaven to this earth. So the controversy that began in heaven came down to this earth and it began there in the Garden of Eden with a tree of knowledge of good and evil. God wanted us to only eat from the tree of good. Not good and evil. Okay? And, and so we don't need to know all this knowledge of bad stuff. But because Adam and Eve, our common ancestors, ate of that, the controversy that started in heaven came down here to earth. And there's been fighting ever since. But Jesus left heaven, came and lived here, and was abused and mistreated and crushed and nailed to a cross for our sin and our transgression and rose again, went back to heaven. And that gives us the hope of going to heaven someday with him. Someday the controversy will be ended. There'll be no sin or Satan anywhere in the universe. Won't that be great? So these are ways you can just develop it, but you don't have to cover the whole thing. Sometimes we think it's so complicated and in trying to communicate it, we say, well, we don't have enough time to cover it. Yes, you do. Give them a seed thought that's Christ-centered and exciting and joyful. And they'll go, I want more. I want more. So you got that picture? I heard three people said yes. Okay. I think I had one of these clickers somewhere here. Well, I'll just look at that. That's where I put it. I found I can actually do that with my finger. Okay. So we've got to wrap this up to go into the next one. But... I think from this, I want you to see how in 30 minutes, a person who has been growing and learning and, and exposed to some of these things, you can clarify with the three questions where they need to be strengthened and give them tools to help strengthen them. And then you can find with the 28 fundamentals, which they like so they learn to express them and how to understand the seed thought in each of those other areas. Are you getting this? If you're getting this, turn to the person beside you and say, I think I get it. Okay. And if they have a blank spare, uh, stare, then help them during the break. Okay. Now, I want to finish up with these two quick stories because time is about up. And I want to just show you how this worked in practicality. Okay. I think I'm supposed to be done, but I'm going to try to finish in two minutes. Okay. Three minutes. The lady at the top here. Okay. Right here. Um, she came with her kids. Her kids were preparing for baptism. And she came with her kids to the new member orientation. And we went through everything. And afterwards, several of us were hanging around mingling. And I said to her, I said, you know, this is one of the greatest joys of a godly parent. You're seeing it right here. You've done what you can to help your kids follow Jesus. And tomorrow they're going to be baptized. Isn't that beautiful? And she said, yes. And I'm not even baptized. And then I said this, is there anything that would make it difficult for you to be baptized with your children tomorrow? I didn't say impossible. And she said, no. And I said, have you been around the Adventist church, around the Adventist message? Oh, yes. I've been coming for years. I married an Adventist, but he doesn't come. I come. (laughs) And so I said, well... Did everything we covered make sense? Yes, yes. Do you have any questions? Any no. Are you fully committed to it? Yes. Are you willing to surrender all your life? Yes, yes. The next day, her husband came to see the kids be baptized and saw his kids and his wife baptized. Okay? She's been active in the church and children's ministry and all kinds of things ever since. Right there. Okay? But it was at a new member orientation where we had the 30 minute and she could see the whole picture. And she thought, maybe i ought to be a part of this, too. Well, let's go forward. Here's the other one. One of these new member orientations, a lady uh, um, was transferring in. And I, I said, now, Esther, I see somebody with the same last name as you, Mark, who's on the list to transfer in into. But is Mark here? Oh, that's my adult son. But but he's not here. I said, well, he needs to be here to become a uh, transfer in tomorrow. Well, uh, uh, I'll get him on the phone. Uh, uh, You're supposed to be here. Oh, you're out of state on work. Uh, What do we do? And I said, tell him to come next month. We'll transfer you in this month. But I, I don't want him to miss out on this. And so we'll put him in the new member orientation for next month. Okay, okay. Pastor, he has a Buddhist girlfriend. And I said, great. Have him invite her too. <laughs> you see, this is not an exclusive club. We're inviting everybody. And so the next month, Mark showed up with his Buddhist girlfriend. <laughs> and he sat in the inner circle of those who were going to be baptized, transferred, or whatever. And she sat in the outer circle of some of the church leaders and some other family members and friends that had been invited. And what we do to end the new member orientation is we always stand in a circle and we do what we call sentence prayer and grug. Sentence prayer is where each person just says one sentence, whatever's on their heart, to the Lord, and then we all move in together. And on the count of three, we go grug, which, by the way, is short for group hug. Okay? (laughs) Grug. And then we say, when you have the Lord and you have each other, what else do you need? We always end our new member orientation that way. We always end our church board meetings that way. That's a whole other topic, okay? <laughs> All right. Grug. So we don't say, now, if you don't feel like praying, then you, don't, you can just nudge the person. We'll let them figure that out. We just say, okay, we're going to do sentence prayer, and each person just say one sentence to God, and if you don't know what to say, you can just say, I love you. I love you, God. So we're going around the circle. And it comes time for Mintu, Vietnamese, Buddhist. Mintu, and I'm just waiting to think is she going to nudge Mark or is she just going to pass or whatever? And she says, Dear Lord, thank you for making it very clear to me tonight that I need to be baptized and unite with the Seventh day Adventist Church. I have to confess, I don't remember any of the other prayers. Afterwards, I went up to her and I said, Mintu, that's quite a prayer. How how did you get to that point? And she began telling me a story of how when she'd come as a little girl to this country, she's in preschool, had a really good friend, and one day the friend said, Mintu, do you believe in Jesus? She said, no. Oh, you're going to burn in hell. And she ran away crying. (laughs) And she said, I had two or three of those experiences growing up, and I thought, these are nice people, but they have a weird religion. I never want to be a part of that. And she said, and I I wondered about that. And I thought, I've got to figure out what what is that about? And then I met Mark, and he said, that's not the way it is. And he started telling more. And then I came tonight, and in the question and answer, I had all my questions answered. And so we put her on a track, and she was baptized a few months later. And then after that, I had the privilege of, performing their wedding actually she was re- she was baptized and mark was rebaptized, had the privilege of performing their wedding then a few years later went back and dedicated their little child and now she's pregnant with a second but you know this doesn't have to be complicated it's not like you're that religion i'm this religion we're this church no no there's this movement and god's put us here let's invite people into it let's stand for prayer Eternal Father in heaven, forgive us for complicating the simplicity of what you're doing in this world. Help us to be on fire for Jesus, to store your word in our mind and our heart that we might not sin against you, that it might be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, to be thrilled to be a part of your final movement, not because we're any better, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because you've invited us and we've said yes. And so, Lord, help us to participate with you in inviting others wherever they are to take those steps of faith with you and be a part of this great movement in Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen. Just before I let you go for break, two quick things. Next seminar is going to be on how to find receptive people for winning souls for soul winning. Okay. second, if you got something good from this seminar, please do these three things. Use it share it with somebody else who might use it, and then rate it on the app so they might invite me back sometime. All right, take a little break. God bless you. This message was recorded at the GYC To The End in Houston, Texas. GYC, supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.